Blog Talk Radio. Icon, Granny Hawker, and Big Swing. Yes, right, it is Monday night again, ladies and gentlemen. We are back here for episode 110 since we changed the name. Uh, I think we're in the 300 somewhere total uh, from back when we were off the ropes. But overall, big time, big guests, big names. Uh, and we continue to be the number one wrestling podcast on the internet. So we got Icon and Granny Hulkster here with us. Jordan Garber is calling yeah. in as well. Uh, but Icon, we also have somebody pretty special on with us here early on. Uh, if if you want to do this before we do the uh, early race moment of silence. All right. Well, let's go ahead and introduce her, ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, she is our first combatant of the night. She is a compassionate wrestling fan that knows how to get the wrestlers that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you, without further ado, Shaysel Sturgill. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, this is Shaysel uh, Sturgill, and um, you're listening to uh, Attitude Era Live with hosts the Icon, Big Swing, and... Granny Hulkster. <laughs> awesome. So, and Jordan, uh, and Jordan Garber, yes. Uh, oh, well, and George, you, we, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> Jordan, all right. Sajal uh, Sergio is our guest here. We got uh, 15 minutes with her before the uh, first guest comes on, and she's going to hang on with us for the whole show. And in between guests, we'll talk to her as we go on. But let's get to the meat of this. And then we'll kind of go around the room and talk about uh, this. Uh, you got a petition going. Uh, tell us about that. Um, well, I started the um, Index Miss Elizabeth into the WWE Hall of Fame um, petition about a year ago after the Raw 25th anniversary. 
Um, and it was something that I wanted to start, but I guess I was kind of like everyone else, and I just figured someone would get one started. And um, I don't know. I had watched the episode, and they did, like, a little diva segment. <laughs> and I'm not taking anything away from the divas that were up there, but I was kind of upset that there was no mention of Elizabeth. And I realized that she was never on her actual, like, Raw show. But it did help build the WWE. And so the next day, I was just like, I'm going to start a petition. And I found a petition site, and I got it going. <laughs> and uh, how, many, uh, how many people have you had on uh, your petition to sign it so far to, just to date? Um, right now, I'm at 1,078. Wow. And what is your goal? Well, the initial goal was a thousand, but I moved it up to fifteen hundred, and um, the reason for that is just because see, the petition was never really targeted towards the WWE; it's more to her family. And I kind of figure the more I get, the more it might help them to kind of see exactly who she was to us and get a different perspective on it. And I don't really think a fan has ever really tried to reach out to her family, but her, she does have a brother that signed it a couple of months ago. Um, and he's really all for her being inducted. So I was really excited when that happened. <laughs> uh, uh, Sergio our guest here. We've got about uh, 14 minutes here left. Uh, we'll kind of go around the room here. We'll kind of each ask you a question and we'll, uh, we'll, uh, talk about how to uh, get our fans to sign it. So, Granny, what do you got for our guest here? Well, hello. First of all, <clears throat> I am Granny Holster, and I, like you, I am a true diehard wrestling fan. I'm not a wrestler. Never have been. Never want to be. I just enjoy doing what I do as a fan. But kudos oh, nice to, to you. you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Kudos to you for wanting to, first of all, do this. Because I, I mean, back in the day, I loved Miss Elizabeth. I mean, she was absolutely amazing. And, yes, she deserves to be in the WWE (laughs) Hall of Fame. I I have no doubt in my mind about that. So other than the fact of wanting to see her get recognized, I mean – what 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 gave you the idea to I, I mean I know you talked a little bit about it but what motivated you to try to get this all started I mean what was the purpose behind it I mean other than recognizing her you know as a great person I mean right. I'm sure there were a lot of reasons involved why you wanted to try to get this accomplished um, it just had to do with the fact that she was there in the beginning when the mm-hmm. WWE was just in a small corner. She was one of the very few females, um, that well, the only female really that, that we all saw. I mean, there were, you know, a lot of other valets, but she was the one that was there that helped get the WWE to where it is now. And, you know, every female that's there now they've all been influenced by her in some way. 
And I just felt that the manager and the valet has kind of died out in the WWE. Like, you have a lot of them in the indie scene. But she was really the first and the last. And she, you know, being inducted into the Hall of Fame is like the last step when you've been in that business and you've given your life and your devotion. You've got to have that induction. It's it's the legacy that she left behind. I, 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 I totally agree with that. That that is awesome. That is amazing. I mean, yeah. Uh, you, kudos, kudos to you. Facial surgeons, I guess. Here we got about uh, 13 minutes left here before our first guest show was up. Our second guest, I should say. Uh, JG, what do you got for our guest here? JT. Oh, Jordan, uh, yeah, Jordan, Jordan, sorry, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, 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 okay, Jordan. I didn't know you guys. I didn't know you guys were on a nickname basis with each other. Okay. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> it is what it is, right? But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I guess you know, knowing you. the background and everything, um, it's really important just to understand basically uh, the history of the business. You know, what are some moments that really popped in your mind that you'll always remember forever? Um, Well, with Elizabeth, just the fact that she was, you know, a part of the very first SummerSlam. She was in the main event. Um, She was given the title, the first lady, and that to me speaks volumes because, you know, I used to think that it'd be really cool if they kept that tradition on, you know, someone to come in and and be, you know, the first lady. But um, there hasn't been anybody since her. I mean, she was very special. I mean, she was like a trailblazer. And people say that she redefined, but I feel like she just defined. She didn't redefine. I mean, she went in there and, and you know, she made her, her own legacy and she defined what a woman should be. And to this day, people respect her for the fact that she was classy and she had poise. Not for the same reasons that, you know, when someone talks about one of the other ones, it was because, you know, they were sexy and and bikinis. I mean, she gets a whole different kind of respect, um, and that speaks volumes. That is awesome. Uh, Thank we you. Have, uh, <laughs> we have the great Seychelle here. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, she's got a petition to get Miss Elizabeth in the Hall of Fame, and we all know that she's deserving. And uh, we no. also know another reason is because of all the crap that the Macho Man put her through uh, when she was in the WWE. Uh, but that's a story for another time. Uh, let's go to Big Swing. What do you got? Well, you know how in other sports, um, in fact, I just at the ESPN station that I work at, uh, we just had both the baseball and the football Hall of Fames uh, this summer that I had to cover. And um, I noticed that when athletes go into the Hall of Fame, they go in uh, not only as the player and as their accomplishment, uh, but as a certain team. Okay, so for for Miss Elizabeth, would she go in? Would you think as you know, W? I, I know it's all the WWE Hall of Fame. I understand that, but would she go in as WWE Miss Elizabeth, or would it be because of her accomplishments and her accolades in WCW, which she spent more time in? For me, it would just be going in, you know, as the first lady. I mean, when she was in WCW, I mean, they just referred to her as Elizabeth. But I think at that time, I mean, we we all thought of her as the first lady. So 
going into the WWE, it would be because she was, you know, she was with both. I mean, to me, she was still the same person. She was just with WCW. And, I mean, he, every, all the guys that worked over there that were never even, you know, with the WWE, some of them have been inducted. I, I think, like, DDP, I mean, I could be wrong, you know. I mean, I don't know everything, but she would be going in for just, being the first lady in, in general, I mean, she always was. You know, she once she became the first lady. I mean, she was. Let me put it to you like this: she was like the Princess Diana of the wrestling world. You know. <laughs> mm. Definitely. Uh, well, we have, like I keep saying, uh, we have uh, Sergio uh, Sergio with us. Uh, we got about. Uh, well, four minutes here before our guest calls in. Uh, so tell us, if uh, to get our fans to sign that, where do they go? Um, well, what they would do is they go to Care2 Petitions. Um, and once they go over there, they just look up Index Miss Elizabeth by Rachel B. Because my name's actually Rachel. Um, Facial's like a family nickname. <laughs> so, um, and then... And then it's just it's really easy. A lot of the petitions, when you go in to fill one out, when you're done, you got to go through all these other um, – it asks you if you want to sign this petition, that petition. It's really easy to fill out. It's um, over at care2petitions.com. That's awesome. So uh, how – now with this website that you have, is there uh, is there a certain length of time it's it's up or is uh, is going to be up until you reach your goal? I have it. I mean, you can I can go in there. It's fixed to where like I can adjust the date. So right now I have it to like January of 2020. Um, and you know, but like if I was to hit 1500, I would just love to get as many as I can. You know, because I feel like the more signatures I have that I can present to her family, um, the better the chances. And, and it might not even work, but I'm a strong believer that, you know, you got to try to get results. If you don't try, you don't get the results. So. <laughs> well, you know, and the other thing is what we want to do here, uh, you, know, you, you're, you know, you're on Attitude Air Live podcast and, uh, we have uh, JG. He hosts another show. Um, we, you know, you could uh, talk to him. Maybe uh, when you get close to the goal or to get an extra boost, uh, we can get his fans uh, to uh, sign this petition, and uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to ask him uh, if if uh, you can be part of his show as well. I would really love that. Any help that I can get. Um, I would love it, and I will. I will add your your podcast on somehow to the petition just to let her family know that y'all helped me out. I mean, everyone Absolutely. you know always says thank you to me, but I mean it's been a lot of fans that have signed it and shared their comments and like special memories. And too, what makes it so special is that <clears throat> a lot of these people have never even met her. You know, we all just loved her on the shows, the pay-per-views, and that has to speak volumes. I mean, if it were me, it would, it would, you know, make me look at it in a different way and think, well, maybe, maybe we need to do something here, you know. 
But uh, you do got to admit, though, and this is my ego talking, of course, that uh, the icon is at the top of your list for getting this thing uh, boosted, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, icon. <laughs> See, there you go, guys. I, I, I'm number one in everybody's heart. And she does not have a restraining order against me, so I'm happy about that. Yes. <laughs> Keyword is That's yes. That's funny. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh, continue continue the show here. Hold on. i got to take this call. I'll be right back. Hold on a second. Oh, oh see, he's, he's prioritizing other people over us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what the hell, Icon? Um, so, yeah, so basically, I mean, with the Miss Elizabeth thing, I – um, I, I, I'm a little young to remember a lot of her. Um, I mean, I, I really grew up in my prime of watching wrestling during the Attitude Era, um, you know, and, and subsequently the Monday Night Wars. So I was really, you know, away from all that. I can't really comment um, it, from my own personal experience about the Miss Elizabeth um, uh, story and if she should be in and why. Um, but I definitely feel like She's a name that pretty much everybody would know. Uh, unfortunately, right. the you know the, the run-of-the-mill fan is going to think that you only know her because of Macho Man, which is not the case. But I think that um, for me, you know, I, I would have to do a little bit more research, but I uh, right. on her right. myself to to just educate myself a little bit. Uh, but but I mean, I'll, I'll definitely if you want to send us over. The petition, um, or, or again, tell us and tell the the uh, listeners where to find Absolutely. it. Um, we can. I, I'll definitely sign it. So. Well, I I appreciate that. You need to get caught up on your Miss Elizabeth history. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I I have to I have to know so many different histories. Um, that was one that slipped my mind, but I definitely will check her out. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> So we do have a caller on the line. Icon's the one who does all of the um, all of the booking here, so I'm not exactly I sure. Would, I would probably not do that. It might be the guest, or it might be someone like flushing the toilet, like I had on my program yesterday. Well, I'm here. Well, well, here's I'm the, here. I'm here. I, I know, Icon. I'm I got here. you. Listen, the Icon, we're good. I, I got <laughs> two things. Guys. The first, the first, I, I have the first one who's on hold that I'm going to put on. The second one who's on hold here, Icon, is a 912. Is that our first guest? Uh, let me uh, uh, let me see here. Hold on a second. Because <sighs> it could just be a listener that wants to talk about Miss Elizabeth quick, but either way, I don't want to keep my hold for a super long period of time. All right. Our, our 1015 guest is 347, so this should be our, our our second guest, so go ahead and put the number through that you just talked about. 912? Yep. Uh, give me one Good second, luck. however. One second, because we do have one that's on that came on first, and I think I have an idea as to what it is, but I'm going to put that caller through. Caller. You want? Yep. Oh, waiting for it. No, nothing. <laughs> See, it's that 111. One 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 number. So it's the internet phone system. Yeah, no, that's her. That's her. Put that's her. her. That is possible. Well, I did. I pushed it through. No one's talking. Nikki, are you there? All right. Let me go to the nine one two. What's up? 
Caller? Hey, I want to ask you a question about Elizabeth. I remember Big Spain in the 80s, and I just want to say, I, 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 you don't know me? You don't remember Miss Elizabeth? Me? I, I, I was born in 88, so I didn't really start watching oh, wrestling wow. until... Uh, yeah, I didn't really start watching wrestling until 96, 97, and even then I was real young. I didn't really get into into it until maybe 2000-ish. So I, I've had to go back and watch a lot between WCW and WWE, and um, I, uh, I, I just I never really thought to look her up, um, but I, I definitely will now, for sure. Hey, our, our guest so ready. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. All right. Our next guest is Rick. Yes. Yes. Was that was that the toilet? Yes. We finally yeah, got it. We finally got him. You guys. We finally got the toilet guy. Hey, All right, we gotta get serious here. Yeah, yeah. We got the first caller through. I'm gonna put the number through. I put him through last time, no one said anything, but I'll put him through again, so let's try it out. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. We have combat number two of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, she is a great wrestler and she is a fox. Just ask what her last name is. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Nikki Foxley. Hey, Nikki, how are you? See? See, I told you. Are you serious? You know what? Nikki? This is a time for me to. That's that's uh. Come on, guys. We got a like time to cut a promo. With someone, someone uh, create some heat here. Well, being the being the the uh, radio professional that I am, yes, I'll keep it going. But uh, but see, I kind of told you not to hey, waste hey, wait, the guys, introduction. Guys, she said huh? she, she said she was talking. Uh, and she got kicked off. We again. couldn't hear. We couldn't hear her icon. Yeah, we we, we could not hear. Tell her to call with a real phone. Because she can't. Yeah, because she can't. She's in Europe. She can't. She's in Europe. She's in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell her to like, was her microphone on mute or something on her headset or what? Because literally, I had him push through. And okay, I'll try it again, and we'll see what happens here. So again, the same number one 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 one. All right, let's give it a shot. <laughs> Before you do your introduction, Icon, let's just see if they're there. Carla, are you with us? Nikki. Nikki, are you there? Nikki? We can't hear her. Yeah, if yeah, she's no talking, we can't hear it. Hold on, let me... Uh... Can you turn the mute off the headset? Or sometimes I've done that before. I've I, I've had it on mute the whole time and well, didn't realize. Well, we adjust the audio... Let's talk about Raw right now, what's going on, while we get her on the line. Yep. Well, I think that, honestly, now, Jordan, um, honestly, since Bischoff and Paul Heyman took over, Raw has obviously, well, both shows have been so much better. <clears throat> but did you notice, Jordan, I, I, and this is something that I think a person who's been in the business with a sharp eye would notice more so than the average, you know, also ran, um, the uh, when they fir- that first blink of light right after the opening segment, right after uh, like um, right after they did the moment of silence and all that for El Paso and Ohio. Did you notice on the on the left hand side of the screen, which would be the right hand side of the stage, 
it looked like yeah. the yeah. entire left side uh, on the TV was empty. I did notice that, actually. That's crazy. I, I kind of noticed right it. Now. Yeah. And I, we know that, I, that, that WWE ticket sales have been way down. You also notice if you're watching it, you can only see maybe, I don't know, 10 rows up and then it's dark. I mean, you know, AEW's over here selling out every show, and I noticed that. And I, I kept saying to myself, all right, well, you know, WWE, WWE's used to, you know, used to big, big crowds. But uh, I, I noticed that. It was pretty pretty blatant on television. Hey, guys. Um, all right. Hey, guys. The 812 number's right. back through. Yes, that, that should be her. 812, okay. Let's give it a shot now. You here. Nick, is that... Yes. Oh can you hear me now? Nikki, is that yeah, you? Yeah, we can hear you. Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, finally. Yes. All right. There let, we let me are. Go ahead and okay. Real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. She is down the aisle. one of the coolest independent wrestlers, females in history. And she is a fox. History. All you got to do is look at her name. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you. Nikki Foxley. Hey, Nikki, how are you? Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nikki, fine. I'm Nikki. Hi, uh, I'm very good, actually. A little bit tired, but it's okay. <laughs> so if Hi, you want to go ahead and do that promo real quick, we'll go ahead and uh, start the interview after you do the promo. Okay, so, hey, this is Nikki Foxley. You're listening to the Attitude Era live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. How was that? <laughs> and... And Amazing. you have, and my that fans are going to take this wrong way, but you have the sexiest accent I've ever heard. But anyway, we'll go with this. Uh, Nikki Foxy's our guest. We have about 20 minutes uh, here with her, so we'll go ahead and get into this, and we'll do it. We're going to go around the room here. So uh, <clears throat> tell us, give us a little background about uh, yourself. Well, uh, you already talked about my accent. This is because I'm actually from Germany. <laughs> so oh, nice. um, I learned English in. Yeah, I learned English in school and also please um, uh, be nice to me <laughs> if I don't understand things right away. This is actually my third language. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah, Icon, be nice. <laughs> go ahead, let's go. Oh, well, I can pack a punch. So, um, yeah, I'm a professional wrestler here in Europe. I wrestled in different countries so far. I think it was four or five. I lost count at one point, and yeah, I started this whole thing about four years ago and going strong. <laughs> uh, Nikki Foxy is our guest here. Uh, so when you wrestle, would you consider yourself to be a babyface, a heel, an in-betweeny, or are you what the crowd decides that you are? Well, I'm mostly what the promoters decide I am. Uh, so I think 90% I'm working the babyface, and... Yeah, I love it, actually, but for about a year now, I'm in a heel women's tech team with my best friend, so I have at least some point where I can be the bad bitch or the bad fox. <laughs> well, nice. okay, well with, that being, with that being said, she's a heel, Granny, what do you got? We have uh, Nikki Fox, well, we have uh, 18 minutes. Hello, Nikki, I'm Granny Hulkster, and I'm not a wrestler, but I'm a huge fan, but... Granny gives the heels a lot. I can talk some pretty good smack when I have to, whether it be male or female heel. Granny can talk some I pretty good you. smack. 
I'm always having to stay on top because I never know what somebody's going to come up with to me. So I kind of have to stay one step ahead of the game all the time, all the time. But my question to you is what has been one of your most interesting or most challenging matches you've ever been a part of? Um, I think it was one last year in December. We had a big call from one of the biggest companies here in Germany. It was an all-women's tryout. And we were about 20 to 25 girls um, with the prospect of only one person getting a match this next evening. And I went in there, gave my best, and I had close to zero hopes. And then they gave me a spot against their best female wrestler. And it was just, it was my nerves um, wrestling against, me not believing that this is actually true, but I think we, we tore the house down, yes. <laughs> awesome. Good. Awesome. Uh, Nikki Fox is right. our guest here. Uh, absolutely. Let's go to uh, JG. What do you got? Yeah, absolutely. You know, being a wrestler in Europe, kind of looking at the transition here from wrestling in Europe and North America, what are some of the things that you, you enjoyed the most throughout your experience in Germany? Uh, what are some top promotions and who are some top workers that you face that you kind of want to face again in the future? So I think that the biggest promotions here are WXW. Um, you might have heard of them because they sent uh, quite some people over to uh, WWE by now, like um, Alexander Wolf and I think Alpha Female should be... Uh, known since the Mae Young Classics. Um, the other one is GWF, which I worked for, and I think you can count NEW, even though they're kind of dying right now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to, to face um, the woman from GWF again. Uh, her name is Vesna, and she comes from Croatia, actually, so we have a very diverse and international cast here in, in Germany. And she was just amazing. She has like 20 years or something of experience, and it was just amazing to work with her. So that would be my dream match I would like to have again. But, of course, uh, I, I would like to take anyone. <laughs> uh, Nikki Fox is our guest here. We've got 15 minutes here with Nikki. I'm going to ask a, I'm gonna ask a, a question here, then we'll, kinda, then we'll go to a big swing. So my question is, and I... I always ask every independent wrestler this. It's a two-part question, and no one has ever answered the same, and we'll see how you answer it. Two-part question. If you were to get a okay. call from the WWE, and they were to offer you that million-dollar contract, A, is that something you'd want to do? And B, if you do get that contract, will you not big-time us and still talk to us and still be my friend? <laughs> um, well, I think I can ask, uh, answer the second part with the first one because – Actually, and, uh, WWE is not on my list for companies I want to wrestle for. I would be flattered, of course, but I would decline and say that I would rather stay friends with the icon. <laughs> um, I have other promotions I would love to work for because I, in the last years I had kind of a falling out with the current way WWE is presenting themselves, even though I highly appreciate what they do for all the women's wrestling with Becky and Charlotte and such, and I love watching them, but yeah, I have other companies and other dreams that come before WWE, so I would probably not take the contract. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we 
you gotta hey big swing, you gotta record that so uh we can have so I can hear her say I can I can several times. I, I love that. Uh, now, with that being said, uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guests here? We have Nikki uh, Foxley. We have uh, 13 minutes left here. Well, Nikki, I guess, um, you know, and I ask this to a lot of uh, a lot of our independent wrestlers, um, but it, it's always more intriguing to me uh, from, the, from the female wrestler aspect just because wrestling is not necessarily a sport that everybody gets into. And, you know, now we're starting to see a lot more of the, you know, the actual women wrestling um, nowadays, instead of like the Attitude Era, which was mostly just, you know, bra and panties matches and mud wrestling. Um, now we're actually starting to see fighting. Um, but how did you get into this business? Was there any particular, you know, motivations or a- anybody that you looked up to or anything like that who inspired you to get involved? Or, I mean, take us through your journey as to how you got involved in this. Well, um you have to say, uh, yeah. You have to consider in in Europe it's very different. So you are already twenty steps ahead of us. So wrestling oh, okay. is very small over here, sadly. So for women, it's even harder because wrestling itself is not that big. But I started uh-huh. watching oh, many many years ago with my boyfriend because at first I was like, yeah, it's this American thing. Okay, I give it a try, and I loved it in an instant. So at first I was very intrigued by the Hardys and Stone Cold. I I loved him to death. And from then it developed. I didn't really pay attention to the women back then, I have to be honest. And the first one to really catch my eye was uh, Mickey James. I don't know. She was so so different from all the others I saw on TV. There was the blonde ones and the pretty ones. And then there was Mickey with this, this little woman with this fire and, and Lita who was just so different. And so I guess these two were my, my biggest inspirations because they just stuck out from all the other girls I saw until then. That is awesome. Nikki Fox is our guest here. We've got about 11 minutes left here. Uh, you know, uh, we have another female wrestling fan on with us. So we have uh, Stacial Sergio. Uh, she's got a petition to get uh, Miss Elizabeth uh, in the Hall of Fame. So we want to have her ask you uh, a question or two. Aww. Go ahead, Stacia. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. You guys took two of the questions that I had for Um Oh, boy. Oh, okay, so I don't know any anything really about you. Like, I know a lot of indie wrestlers out here, you know, because it's the United States, but so you said you were a baby face. Um, what, what is your, like, gimmick? Like, what do you, what, you know, what do you, what's your persona? <laughs> well, I, I think the name already suggested. Um, I'm not very tall. <laughs> I'm not very uh-huh. strong, so I decided to go the the sneaky and smart route. I'm an absolute fox in the ring. I do a lot of roll-ups. I am always running around my opponent, getting my distance if I need to, and rushing in if I have to. So I'm heavily relying on my quickness. I'm just a very cuddly but quick and fast little animal. <laughs> okay. So now, you, you, work out, so what, you work out a lot, you know, obviously being a wrestler and stuff. But the hamburger came from Germany, says Sully, tuning into this live broadcast. Uh, do you enjoy the hamburger once in a while? Like, uh, like... Is that something you do as a pre- like? What are your thoughts on that? Fan, fan uh, question. <laughs> You're catching me on a very bad time because I'm actually on a diet right now, so no hamburgers for me, sadly. <laughs> so, you but, know, with that being said, 
Uh, are you, uh, you know, when she when she asked about your persona, would you consider yourself to be a high fire like a Rey Mysterio, a technical wrestler like a Bret Hart, or do you have that grunty style like a Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, I, I do use a stunner as my finisher, um, but I, if you give me these three, I have to go with uh, Bret Hart because I trained in Switzerland, and we're very, very heavily influenced by um, British-style wrestling, not a strong style, but the technical one, so I'm more of a technical wrestler like Bret, I guess. That's awesome. And so we can get cool. that, so we can get this in. Uh, uh, if uh, our fans wanted to check you out and see you online, uh, you got a Facebook, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? Uh, I don't have a GoFundMe. Uh, I think I have uh, quite enough money at the moment. But I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, just search for Nikki Foxley, and I'm pretty much the first redhead that pops up there. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, you can search for that also under the same name, but it's 99% in German, so I don't know if you can really make use of that. <laughs> well, you know, I was kind of like, I'm a looker up. <laughs> Yeah, we have, we have uh, Nikki, Nikki Foxy is our guest here. We've got about eight minutes here before we wrap up. i got a couple of uh, ego questions for you, then I'm going to have you do us a favor. Uh, one, okay. uh, the icon made you a collector's card, sent it to you on Messenger. What did you think of that? I liked it. First, he used my wrong name. <laughs> but the second one was, was amazing. <laughs> I, I, that's right. I did. I apologize. And, uh, Wait a minute. Did, you, you know, did, did icon, icon actually made a mistake? Wow. That's the first time for everything. Oh. Never asked. He's the oh, on my I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to put you on blast. I'm sorry. That that well, never no, happened. No, no. This is a revelation because that never happens. Ever. Well, you know you know what they say? Red what? hair, don't care. I got you. I'm with you. I got now, you. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, if, if you're able to, uh, do you think you might be able to send us a few autographs for some giveaways for our fans for our big December show coming up? I, I can try to do so. I have to figure out how to send stuff from here, but it should work. But just, uh, I think you can expect it in about three weeks uh, minimum because, yeah, postal service. Well, well, the thing is, so it would be six weeks. As in North Dakota here, we still got the Pony Express, but that's something for another time. Uh, we got uh, seven minutes well, left with uh, Nikki Foxley. Uh, I was kind of hoping, you know, you mentioned you, English is your third language. What are your other two, uh, German and what else? Well, German, of course, and I also speak French. Um, I started learning Croatian and actually Irish Gaelic. So I speak about five languages and all the strange dialects we have in Austria and Switzerland. Well, since we have about six minutes here, here's what I want to do. Can you cut us a promo in French and in German? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, um, bonjour, je m'appelle Nikki, and wenn ihr mich noch nicht gehört habt, dann wisst ihr jetzt, wer ich bin, und ich hoffe, ihr schaut euch mal ein paar Matches von mir an. So that was the first part in French and the second part in German. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Oh, it was like a, oh, uh, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> wow. Well, was I, I couldn't tell because I, I took a little French, so I could tell which one was the French one, but when I went into German, she <laughs> lost me. So. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I took... <laughs> I, I, I took uh, I took foreign language survey in uh, school, and I took French one, and I took German one for four years. So uh, oh, you know cool. the only you know, the only part of the class that I did not fail was the food part. 
I kind of. Did you say you took German? <laughs> did you say you took German one for four years? I did. I did. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know why I got that. It's true. I did take German one for four years because you had to pass the foreign language to get out of high school. I know. You still do. <laughs> so then I then I took Norwegian. I was fine. So we got Nikki Fox here. We got about uh, five minutes here left before we wrap it up. Uh, so if uh, if you know uh, when your next match is, where it is, when it is, who it's against. Yes, um, it's on the 7th of September, and it's a hardcore street fight um, with my heel tag team partner against two girls. We have a feud for about a year now, and we will fucking uh, crush their skulls in because we're a real tag team, and they are just oh friends. <laughs> now, wow. There's that German That's aggression. Cool. <laughs> now, are you going to be going Thank for any you. Thank Sorry, can you repeat that? Are you going to be going for any titles that you know of? Uh, yes, but like in November. In November, I will um, yeah, fight against my best friend to become the Swiss heavyweight champion, the women's Swiss heavyweight champion. Well, here's Is that going to be tough, fighting uh, against your friend, though? Is that going to be difficult? Or? Uh, no, because I know her in and out, so I can outsmart her easily. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, yeah. Our record uh, is we're we are 700 and oh. Anybody that's been on our show that's went for a title either after I booked them or after they've been on the show and went for a title, they've always won. We're 700 and oh. Now, when you no pressure, but you got to keep our huh. streak alive. Oh, I will. I will do anything to do that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, we got about uh, three minutes here left before uh, our next redheaded guest call, calls in. Uh, do you guys have anything uh, left for uh, Nikki before she uh, takes off? I'm good. What, what's your uh, I, I mean, uh, Alexa Bliss is on, so I'm a little distracted, but no, so I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Nikki, we want to thank you. And she won. Yes, us. Nikki. And, uh, I thank you for the opportunity. Whenever, whenever you can send us for autographs, we'd appreciate it. You've been awesome. We thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. It yeah. was very interesting, and it was worth getting up for because it's four in the morning over here. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So uh, <laughs> that means she will put a restraining order on me now. Okay, I got it. Not yet. <laughs> and if she does, it, and if she does, it'll be in German, and you won't understand what it says anyway. So that's fine. Oh, I can translate it right. in French, so no problem. Well, either way, right. he doesn't well, understand that either. Well, well, I can't get barely speak English. It's been awesome, and uh, we appreciate. It. We'll let we'll let you go back to bed or get up for breakfast. I don't know. Either way. Oh, I'm at work. I will just continue working. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right, Nikki Boxley, ladies and gentlemen, the redhead, the gal with the fire down below. It's Nikki Boxley. So now, I, I, uh, just, gotta... I just wanted to point out, first of all, that the new Raw Women's Tag Team Champions, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, first of all, just, just so you guys are aware oh, of this. Oh, hell yeah. Woo-hoo! Yep. <laughs> yep. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And 
And uh, this this may sound a little weird to you, but I have an unhealthy obsession with Alexa Bliss. Um, it's not quite to my to edge level, like my edge level one, but but it's it's uh it's up there, man. Alexa Bliss is um yeah the things that that I uh, go through my mind. So anyway, Icon, we have another <laughs> guest on the line here. Um, yep. it's the nine four nine number. Is that supposed to be our yep, second one? That's him. Yep. All righty, I gotta I gotta jump uh, jump to the other studio real quick, do some Yankees post game. Uh, but I will have one headphone on, so I'll be listening. Uh, I'm gonna put him through right now. Do your thing. Ladies Yankees. and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is our third combatant of the night. He straightened the curves and flattened the hills with the Duke boys. He's saying Christmas carols to Mr. Belvedere, and he can tell us what you talking about, Willis. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I give you the redhead himself, Danny Cookley. That was a hell of an intro, bro. That was that was like a like, like I feel I feel like Muhammad I, Ali, like you know what I mean? I, I'm that was that was stellar. I put stellar work on the live broadcast here. Huge intro. I did theatrics. So, so that was so that was obviously the best you've ever had. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally, absolutely. <laughs> That was, awesome. I'm, we I'm, have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm weak in the knees. Uh, we have uh, Danny Cooks, who's our guest here. We got about uh, we got uh, 30 minutes here with Danny. Uh, we're going to do this real quick here. Uh, uh, I sent you a liner for uh, intro. We'll go ahead and take care of that, then we'll go into the interview. Okay, well, uh, let, me, let me put it on speaker and flick back over so I can read it, because I have no memory. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I had it up. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Go ahead. No, I got it right here. Hey, this is Danny Cooksey, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with your host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a quest- few questions, and we'll kind of go around the roundtable. Uh, first thing I want to ask you about is um, you were, I believe your first role, correct me if I'm wrong, was the Dukes of Hazard. And uh, yeah. that's when uh, Bowen Luke, uh, your your parents were killed in the show, and uh, Bowen Luke got you a, uh, a kidnapped dog, and uh, Boss Hog kidnapped the dog, and they had to steal the dog back to get it back for you. And then at the end of the episode, you were adopted by the actual owners of the dog. So tell us, how did you get yeah. hooked up with the Duke for Hazard? You know, it was really weird. So I was um, I was actually um, going through. Uh, the West Coast, I was sort of uh, playing a bunch of shows with um, Mickey Gilley and Johnny Lee and like the whole urban cowboy sort of soundtrack thing. And uh, the sort of uh, the, the manager uh, that I had at the time was an L.A. guy. And he's like, hey, while you're in town, let's, you know, send you over. I know a couple of casting agents and, you know, maybe you'll do a commercial or, you know, something like that. You know, it's, you're here for a couple of weeks. Let's, you know, let's just see what happened, like a sort of a general meeting. And from that general meeting, I ended up doing a Hot Wheels commercial, and I also did an episode of Dukes of Hazard. Now, is it true that you didn't get to use your real voice in that episode? Yeah, I'd had laryngitis. I'd actually played a show. I'd played a show uh, the night before and like lost my voice and got laryngitis. Um, and I got like was sick for what a few days. And uh, and then uh, yeah, everybody. Uh, 
when it when it came on it's like i was back in oklahoma and like super excited it was coming on on tv and then like the first word it was like uh sounded like rocky squirrel yeah that's <laughs> that's who they that's who they that's who they had to do your voiceover was uh the gal that did the voice of Rocket J. Squirrel, which yeah. was kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna ask so, one more which, which in to... retrospect, as an adult, is is much cooler. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask one more question. <clears throat> we'll kind of go around the room here. Uh, Danny Cooksey's our guest here. Uh, we have uh, 27 minutes left with Danny. Uh, now you're obviously you know your big role. Uh, I'm gonna talk about this, then we'll go around the room, and I'll come back and ask you about my other favorite show of yours, but. What, your biggest role had to have been the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, your father in the show was Hoyt Axton. Your stepfather was uh, Conrad Fain. Your brothers were yeah. Willis and Arnold Jackson. And you had a hot stepsister named Kimberly. Tell us uh, how you got hooked up with the um, with the different strokes. And then I want to ask you one other question about uh, my uh, – my favorite episode that you were in, it was a sad episode, but how'd you get hooked up with the different strokes? Oh, you know, very much the same way that I, uh, had done, uh, Duke, that I got the Dukes of Hazard. I was back in LA, uh, to do some more like musical sort of appearances and the same thing ended up going and meeting, you know, for a general meeting and, um, a casting director. And they were like, Hey, we're looking for, we're looking for this like reoccurring, uh, role. It's a, it's a, it's a kid at school. Um, he's also adopted and Arnold's character sort of takes him under his wing and sort of, you know, becomes like a, a big brother to this kid. And so went to do this stuff and a bunch of auditions and, and like producers and all of this stuff and ended up doing a screen test with Gary Coleman. And um, then it was Friday, the 13th, 1984, I believe 83 or 84. And I uh, got a phone call that I'd gotten the part, but they had changed it. It was no longer a reoccurring role. Mr. Drum was getting married. She had a kid, and I was going to be a regular uh, cast member on the show. And uh, I found out on a Friday. Sunday, we went to NBC uh, Studios and took wedding pictures. And then that next Monday, I started the show. It was like it was and, that quick. Uh, and the one episode that I, I, I want to ask you about, then we'll go around the room here. we got Danny Cooks. So we've got 25 minutes. Uh you, there was the, the episode where you actually saved my life. Actually, uh, it's when oh, that's you were nice. kidnapped. I, I did something good. Yeah, yeah. It, it was the episode where you were kidnapped, and uh, it's because of that. You know, I never ever talked to strangers. I didn't really talk to anybody after I saw that episode. But uh, <laughs> do you remember that that's episode? Funny. I do. I do. I do. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It's like I remember that one's obviously a big one. So I kind of remember. Uh, you know, bits and pieces of it. Um, but it's funny, some of those old shows that, that come around, I remember my daughter, uh, like finding old VHS tapes and like putting them in. And I was just sort of watching, it was like this weird out of body experience. Cause I'm going like, okay, that's me. But I have no recollection of like the plot outline, you know, and I, it was, it was, uh, it was very strange. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. that one, that one I have, I do have uh, some memories. I think there was something to do with like chips, yeah, yeah, you were you were in the you were in the store. See, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. You were in the store, you were uh you were opening all the bags of chips trying to find the fresh ones and uh the guy came up to you and said that he wanted help finding his dog and he went right. with you and he he brought you to his house. He said that he found you in a box, uh and he cleaned you up and uh 
that's how it started. And then to get you back, uh, you uh, picked up the phone, called Arnold, and then the detectives came and found you and uh, saved you. And swooped me out. That's right. And I drew I, some, and I was I, 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 I actually had uh, another guy that uh, that uh, wanted. He asked me to draw the um, a, a picture, the the same sort of picture that I, I apparently I drew in the episode, a picture of Arnold with a camera. And I'm a really horrible artist, and I didn't draw the original, but I gave it my best shot. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Danny Cooksey's our guest here. We got 22 minutes. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our uh, favorite redhead? actor in Hollywood from the 80s. Well, I, you know, I remember seeing him on different strokes. I mean, I remember seeing Dukes of Hazard. I mean, you know, Grant, I'm almost 57. I'll be 57 the 29th of this month, so I remember watching Dukes of Hazard, different strokes. I love those programs. But not only were you a great actor, but why don't you share with us and the listeners, you were um also, um, you know, a musician, you know, share with us about your music career with the fans. I mean, what kind of music did you like to play? What did you want to play when you maybe got right. started as a musician? What would what was your favorite kind of music that you enjoyed playing? Well, I, I grew up in I grew up in Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma. And so it's like for the first chunk of my life, I, I'd, I'd listen to like nothing but country music, <laughs> of the, you know, the the. Sort of my, you know, my grandparents' era, the golden, the golden era of country music, and like the sort of outlaw sort of music of the of the seventies, oh, wow. and um, and so I actually made my first record when I was five, and oh, wow. started to tour uh, sort of all over the place, and played the Louisiana Hayride and and uh, the Country Music Review in Fort Worth every weekend, and then ended up getting to Nashville, and that's when I met uh, Mickey Gilly and Johnny Lee. And they sort of were like, hey, come down to Gillies. So I started going down to Gillies and then ended up going out to L.A. And that's how everything sort of – that's the route that everything took. Um, and then throughout uh, doing different strokes, it was like I'd still, you know, lots of sort of personal appearances and, and singing things and, and just uh, just an amazing, amazing ride. I've always sort of just done it and performed and, you know. Uh, then I – and when I was in my teens, I did a – I did a – I was – I did like a heavy metal record <laughs> with a band for Interscope Records that Steve Vai produced, and we did that for a while, and um, you know a bunch of different bands, and just I have a thing called Shelter Dogs. It's out on uh, Spotify. It's a, that's the name of the band, and so just you know constantly, you know I would do it irregardless, and every once in a while something comes out for public consumption. Well, see, I actually live in Arkansas. I, I I I live in Springdale, Arkansas, so I go to Oklahoma as much as I can to watch independent wrestling shows. I have a friend over there in the Tulsa area that uh, does independent wrestling shows for kids that have cancer called Wrestling for a Cause. Oh, that's awesome. And that's where my gimmick name, Granny Hulkster, came into play because I am such a huge wrestling fan. And, and I holler at all the bad guys. I mean, I can talk some you get, really you get after good them? smack. <laughs> oh, I do. Uh, that's I good. I do. I had... I had one wrestler tell me one time, he says, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? And I grabbed Ugh. my keys out of my purse, and I got into his face, and I said, Baby, Granny don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building. So, <laughs> you know, awesome. I'm always having to come up. 
I'm always having to come up with uh, really good answers because I never know what they're going to throw at me. I, you know, in the in the in the, I guess it would have been the the mid to late '80s. I was super super blessed. I ended up I was into wrestling as well, and got uh, had to. I'm trying to think of who it of who it was. It was like a, one of the older wrestlers that was then part of the WWF at the time. And so whenever they came into LA, I got like ringside tickets and got to go backstage and meet them. I was at WrestleMania too. Um, it was just, it was awesome. And actually this weekend I was in a convention in Texas and Brutus, the barber beefcake was there. And I, I was like, I had to fanboy oh, out and go up yeah. and said like, Brutus. Hey man, I, I, it's good to see you. I met you back in like, you know, 1987 or something around that time. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that stuff. I love that. It was awesome. It no, was a Danny, fun time. I want to thank you, Danny. And I want to thank you for that because for those of you, for those people that think that I have, uh, I get guests just because I want to talk to Hollywood people. You do have a connection to wrestling. So there you go. If anybody wants to know, there you go. We have, we there have it is. We we got about 19 minutes here left with Danny. Uh, we're uh, we'll go to uh, if uh, JG is ready. What do you got a question? Uh, go ahead, JG. Oh, absolutely, man. Different strokes. Watch that show on Peachtree TV all the time, man. That show was the bomb. Working with Gary oh, Coleman and just the show all together. What was it like? You know, it, it was it was fantastic. I, they they had all been there for you know like years before I got on the show. And everybody was, uh, you know, just like wonderful and loving and, and welcoming and, and, you know, it wasn't odd or anything. And, and me sort of never had never done anything. It's like I learned so much uh, from everybody. And I mean, everybody on that show was just so fantastic. Gary was awesome. Um, everybody. It was it was really, truly an amazing experience. Um, you know, I was I was welcomed with open arms and it was it was fantastic. Gary's hysterical. I mean, his expressions and, and timing and everything is just uh, was was you know it was it was like taking a, a master class at that age. Oh, what you talking about, Willis? Thanks again. Uh, back to you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Danny. We have another. Uh, I believe she's still on with us. Uh, she's uh, kind of uh, guest hosting with us uh, today as a as an appearance. Uh, we're gonna allow uh, Sasha to ask you a question if she has one. Uh, all right. Hi, Danny. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good. Um, all right. So, I mean, I don't really remember you from the Dukes of Hazard, but I was wondering, like, did you ever get to drive the General Lee car? <laughs> no, I never got to drive uh, the General Lee car. I was, I was a little. I don't think I could have reached the pedals at that age. Or <laughs> that oh, was one okay. thing. But I do think, yeah, I, I'm. I feel like I did get to, like, go inside of it. I don't even know if it was part of the show, but I definitely know while I was there, it's like I had to, uh, I'm sure I, you know, jumped into the window just for That's just for cool. shits and giggles <laughs> because I couldn't imagine being that far. You know, it's really, uh, and now I'm having his name escapes me, but the guy that played uh, Boss Hogg actually directed that episode uh, as well. So the Rob Bucks. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he, was the, uh, he was the director of that particular episode. What was episode. he like? What was he like? He was awesome. He was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, Everybody was, uh, you know, I've never really had, I, I can't say that I've ever had a bad experience with uh, anybody that I've worked with. Everybody all, and all the different things have just been, everyone's been fantastic. It's been a, a, a pleasurable experience. 
See, and there, there's another example. He he loves working with the icon too. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Is uh, if Big Swing is there? What do you got for our guest? We have Danny Cooks. We've got 15 minutes left. Uh, we'll at, let uh, uh, Big Swing ask you a question. I'm going to ask you some ego questions. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> right. the ego questions. We 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 knew those were coming. Uh, what um what was probably your most memorable experience? Uh, you know, being on the show was it was was it like the camaraderie of of who you're with? Was there a particular episode? I mean, did did you feel a certain way? Like, like what when you look back on it, like what was your favorite thing about it? You know, it, it's uh, I I would say it it, it sort of changes um, it, to a certain degree. As a kid, it's like uh, when I was on the show, I would have probably said like the Ghostbusters episode of Dukes of ha- of uh, Different Strokes was super memorable because the thing was on. It was like I got to get slimed and you know what I mean? It's like I got to do all of this fun stuff. Um, And that would still be the case, but now as an adult sort of looking back, it's like uh, I just sort of pinch myself with all of these, you know, kind of amazing people that I got to work with. I mean, on that particular episode, it was uh, uh, Ray Bolger, who was like the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, I did another show where I got to work with Art Carney from – the Honeymooners. Um, I did cartoons with Jonathan Winters. Uh, I, I went on a late night talk show and I got, and I got interviewed by Johnny Cash. So it was like, as an adult, looking back at all of these different things, you go, wow, man, how, how that is just like, that is so cool. And at the time as a kid, you're going like, oh, okay, I'm going on the show. Oh, it's a guest host. Who's the guest host? Oh, Johnny Cash. Oh yeah. Cool. Right. And then as an adult, I look back and go pinch myself and just go, wow. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. This redhead, he's You know, and Danny, you know, speaking of uh, getting slimed, uh, you were also on another one of my favorite shows because I, I I love watching you as an actor. You were on Nickelodeon Salute Your Shorts, your own show. <laughs> yeah, man, that was that was another. That was a whole other. Uh, you know, that was a whole other uh, generation. But it was fantastic. I mean, we we had a great time doing that show. It was a fun show, and it's it's taken a bit of a that sort of era of Nickelodeon shows has taken a a bit of a you know it's a bit of a cult classic. I I feel like at this point, it's uh, you know we didn't do a lot of episodes. It was not on for a very long time. But I mean, a lot of if you were within a certain age range, um, it's one of those shows that sticks with you. It's just a part of your childhood. You know, and the funny thing is you went from a sidekick named Arnold Jackson to a sidekick named Donkey Lips. Right? Donkey Lips. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, uh, it was, and, you know, I went from a bowl cut to a mullet. So, I mean, you know, right. I'm running the yeah. gamut of, of uh, you know, crap hairdos. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where, where was that filmed at? Or was, was that filmed on a set? Uh, the interiors we filmed, we had like a little warehouse compound in North Hollywood, California, and then all the exteriors were shot in like Griffith Park. That's awesome. Uh, Danny Cooks is our guest here. We got about twelve minutes left here. Uh, I got to ask you a few uh, uh, ego questions, and we're going to ask you a few more questions here. Um, all right. If uh, if I were to, uh, we, we got a big uh, December giveaway show coming up. Uh, if I were to. Uh, 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 text you an address. You think you could send us some autographs for some giveaways? Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And uh, the, I- the icon made you. Too. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take care of you. And uh, the icon made you a collector's card. What was your thought on that? It made me a, a what? What? I made you a collector's card. I I emailed it to you. 
Right, yeah, that thing you said, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was that was that was rad. That was good stuff, man. I, I love stuff like that. See, and I also want to thank you, Danny, for being one of the few uh, actors that have been on the show that does not have a restraining order against me because I call him too much. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, we got we, we got Danny Cushman. We got eleven minutes left. Uh, you know, you were uh, you have a wide range of different guest appearances. I'm kind of curious about uh, Mr. Belviner. Uh, I'll take you back to the episode. We'll see if you remember it. Uh, it was when uh, Mr. Belvedere was uh, subbing, uh, directing a play in school, and uh, and uh, you uh, became the star of the show because you sang Silent Night to Mr. Belvedere. And I want to tell you, you can believe it or not, but I want to tell you, I have that episode on VHS, and I still have it. And you playing <laughs> Silent Night, you sing in Silent Night, the first year that we had Christmas, after that uh, episode was on, I played your rendition of Silent Night before we opened our presents. <laughs> that is awesome. That is a Christmas tradition. That is, that is fantastic. <laughs> and how did you get that hooked up great. with Mr. Belvedere? You know, it was after different after different strokes. There was like, a, I guess it was probably like a year or so that, um, I, I mean, I guest appearance. I, I was on... I, just about everything that was out. I did Riptide. I did MacGyver. I did Mr. Belvedere and Growing Pains. And I, I mean, I was just on, it was just one, one thing after another. And, and it was, it was awesome. It was, it was good stuff. Now, speak, Actually, I remember that. Oh, go ahead. Now, I got to ask you about that. MacGyver, the episode with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, someone had, uh, some dumbass had shot our national symbol, an eagle. And you and MacGyver, uh, uh, nursed the eagle back to health, and you also got his um, his uh, pocket knife in that episode, and you also got to go hiding yeah. with Richard Dean Anderson. What was it like working yes. with uh, Richard Dean Anderson? It was awesome. I mean, the the show was on, so I was like a fan of the show, and uh, and it was great. It was it was it was like uh, you know, and it was I had done you know for the most part done just like sort of you know, sitcoms and, and sort of four camera stuff in front of a live audience. So that was, that was sort of something new, um, with, I mean, we were, they were blowing up sheds and, and, you know, we had stunt stuff and, you know, hanging from a crane on the hang glider and we had eat live, you know, animals, <laughs> we have these eagles and, uh, and, uh, I think actually, in, I remember in one of the shops, the eagle sort of, uh, supposed to fly from one handler to the next and then halfway through the eagle stopped at some little bush out in the stuff where we are and sort of alerted everybody to a rattlesnake that was in this bush and it was like that was a whole it was a whole deal it was uh it was awesome it was exciting now when you and he was and he was great now when you have these different episodes uh maybe you can kind of tell us about that now the shows are on every week uh how uh, how far in advance did you film the different episodes before they aired? Like from a guy, you know, it's, different it's kind of you know for uh, different strokes. If I remember correctly, it was not a very it was a very quick turnaround. I feel like if it was maybe like a maybe like a week, two weeks possibly, but after you filmed it uh, till it went on the air, and some of the other ones, I I just honestly that I don't remember because I'd only done one and then they came on, so they might have been more, but it was certainly a lot closer than, you know, shows are done now where they're done like months and months, you know, ahead of time. And then they sort of, 
you know, start to air. But yeah, it was a, it was a fairly quick turnaround at that time. And and with a four camera sitcom, I mean, we did it was almost it was almost like a play. You rehearsed all week and then on Fridays you would do like a, you know, early afternoon show in front of a live audience from beginning to end, then take dinner and then come back and do another run from beginning to end. And that was it. And then you moved on Monday to the next show. Maybe a few you know, pickups at the end of the night, but it wasn't it wasn't uh you know, there wasn't like takes and takes and takes of that. It was almost like a play. It was uh, just, you know, taped in front of a live audience. Uh, we have uh, Danny Cooksley here as our guest here. we got about seven minutes left. Uh, you know, I'm also kind of curious, you know, you mentioned, you know, your daughter watches uh, your shows now. So is are you kind of like her her babysitter on TV now? You like say, okay, <laughs> go to the den, watch well, Danny on TV. This would have been a few years ago. She's 20 now, so she has other stuff to do. Uh, but, but no, no, we, you know, she just came across like an old box of tapes. Now she's brought, now that it's like, she's actually, you know, uh, sent me a few things that she's found on like YouTube and things like that. And, uh, we played some stuff for my, for my, I have an eight year old, uh, son and my daughter's 20 and, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny as things come up, as things come across that I just kind of go like, Oh God, really? I don't remember. I don't, that's, that's weird. (laughs) So now uh, there's you know, such a plethora uh, of things. Now, uh, now I'm sure you've had your son watch some of your episodes. Has there ever been a situation like uh, where uh, you know, like your son uh, gets home from school with a note from the teacher just to get your autograph? Has that ever happened? Uh, no, no, I can't say that's ever happened. But I did have a, you know, I've done some interesting, you know, the uh, bring your parent, bring your parent to work day has been entertaining. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, it's fun, but you know, it's, Hey, that was, that was like so many years ago, but I definitely, I've had some, you know, parents and, and things come up and be like, Hey, I know, I know who you are. <laughs> I watched that show when I was younger, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I was just, I was just going to ask now, do people recognize you in public now? Uh, you know, nowadays, more or... often nowadays, more often than not, people. It's really funny. People will come up to me and go like, "Hey man, what high school did you go to?" <laughs> and I, <laughs> I'll tell them, you know, I went to uh, San Fernando High School, and they'd be like, "Ah, where is that? That's not. That's no. I, I could have sworn that like, you know, we went to school together or something." And they, they they like picture they see my face and then you know go like, "All right, I know that face, but it's like younger." Um, so that that's the most current. That's pretty much what I get most of the time, unless someone pieces it together. Well, Danny, I gotta give you a little tip on that. When someone comes up to you and asks you what high school you went to, and they say, "Did you go uh-huh. to?" and they say, "Yeah, you and I were in history together, and you used to copy off me in history." And I bet you're a lawyer now, so I want to cut. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll have to remember that. I will have to remember that. That's funny. <laughs> So uh, we got uh, Danny Cook here. We got uh, four minutes left, and we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. And uh, you've been awesome. So basically, uh, you're are you still doing anything in uh, the business now, or are you uh, just basically doing uh, comic cons and guest appearances, and uh, of course, Attitude Air Live being your best show that you've done? Yeah, that you've you heard. know, um, I, I, when I was sixteen, like around. 16, 17, I stopped doing sort of on-camera stuff, and I was uh, lucky enough to that I had uh, 
I was doing the I started was doing the voiceovers uh, for the cartoons, and then I've just continued to do that. You know, that's right. I love that I love that gig, and and uh, I've done. Kind of uh, probably hundred, hundreds of voices and <clears throat> cartoons, and uh, you know that's kind of that's kind of what I do. I also teach. I do uh, I do private lessons and stuff, and you know just stay busy, man. What what and what uh, cartoon characters do you voice that we that we might know? Uh, oh, that you would know. Oh gosh, I was uh, Montana Max in the Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, the Steven Spielberg one, and. Um, I was in the last Lorax, the Lorax movie that came out a few years ago, and I was done, I was on Ren and Stimpy. I was on uh, just a, a whole bunch of like a lot of the Disney Channel stuff, whether it was like a regular character or just various characters in Vader Zim, Nickelodeon, and the regular show Cartoon Network, and just a uh, you know a whole a whole bunch of stuff. So working for Disney, did you ever get to meet Hannah Montana? No, no, never did, never did. You know, it's funny go, doing the car, doing the cartoons. It's you don't necessarily go onto the lot or anything. You go to some studio in LA, and it takes like, uh, you know, it takes like forty-five minutes to an hour and a half, depending on how many other characters are there at the same time. And if it's just you yourself, it could, you know, you might be in and out in twenty minutes. And uh, you know, you go in, you do your lines, and you leave. And then that's it. So, uh, that's, that's it's, awesome. uh, yeah, it's, it's, and you know what? It's like, I used to get, you know, I used to get kicked out of class for doing what they pay me to do now, which is, you know, just make stupid noises and act a fool. So, you know, <laughs> can't beat it. Can't beat it. That's awesome. We got uh, Danny Cook here. We got about two minutes left. So Danny, if our, uh, if our fans wanted to, uh, check you out, uh, and, uh, maybe become friends with you like I am, and I do appreciate your friendship and I'm not just saying that because it's you, but I do appreciate your friendship and hopefully you will <laughs> sure, call you again. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, man. Check you, out, you got a Facebook, you got a YouTube, you got an Instagram, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, let's see. I have a, uh, I have an Instagram, I have a, a Twitter and I have, uh, and I have a, a Facebook. And I, and I believe they're all just my name. I think it's, yeah, it's just my name. <laughs> there may be a few, but I, there's only, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have any, there's not like the official or anything like that. It's just, it's just me. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what, if uh, you want fans to find you, you know, that card I made for you can use it as a profile picture for a while. I'm sorry, say again? That card I made for you can use that as a profile picture for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, I will. I don't even know, you know, here's I'm not uh, the most technologically savvy of the bunch. Um so uh, I who knows what my pro actually I believe my Twitter profile pic, if I'm not mistaken, is a picture of me and the Duke boys from the Dukes of Hazard. I believe that that's I believe that that one is 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 what that is. It's it been is. that way for yeah. I think like, you know, 7 or 8 7 or 8 years because I haven't went on to update or change it. Well, which is not a bad thing because I'd love to have a picture with the Duke boys too. But, well, I'll tell you what, Danny, you've been awesome. We thank you for taking time out of your schedule. And uh, hopefully if we didn't scare you away too much, you'd be willing to come on with us again. And uh, For sure. Uh, any autographs you can send us, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, send me, Thanks, uh, send me, uh, send me your stuff and, and we'll get on that. You guys have a good one, man. Thanks thank for you, having Jerry. me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. All right. right on. Later. All right, Danny Cooksey, ladies and gentlemen, you can't beat that, can you? No, oh. no, that, that was that was awesome. 
So our next guest should be calling in here shortly, Richard Pryor Jr. Mm-hmm. And no, uh, they're on. They're on. Okay, um, all right. Well, we uh. I will introduce them, then we'll go to it. You ready to go? You, you want to go back to back to back with it? All right, let's do yep, it. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is the namesake of the greatest comedian in the history of comedians. The man that was the standard that set the standard, and his this man has got to have the coolest book in the history of literature. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the author of Enterprise Life. He is Richard Pryor Jr. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> Woo! Now, was that not the best introduction you've ever had? That was that was freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, well, we have Richard Pryor as our guest here. We got about uh, forty-five Hello. minutes here Hello. left with us, or until he kicked us out of the studio. Uh, we're, we're kind of going to kind of do a round table here. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and we'll kind of go around the room. Uh, we, we want to talk about your book, but one of the burning questions I have for you is, you know, your dad uh, was obviously Richard Pryor, and uh, he yep. starred in many of my favorite movies. I got to know, as a kid, did you ever get to meet Willy Wonka or Superman? Yes, I did. I actually met them both. So I actually I was in the military when my when my father was filming <laughs> Superman three. So I I met uh, Christopher Reeve in London, and then I met uh, quote unquote Willy Wonka. I met him. I can't remember which film it was. One of the films I think it was uh, Stir Crazy. I believe it was. Yeah, which would be Gene Wilder, right? So, yes, Gene Wilder. Now uh, you wrote a book called In a Fire Life, and that's uh, obviously not spelled the, the fire but it spelled your last name. Uh, when did you start writing the book, and what gave you the idea to starting to want to write the book? Well, I started the book actually years ago in the early 2000s, and then I stopped writing it because I wasn't ready for it. And I tried again in 2006 and wasn't ready for it. And then in 2015, I was like, I'm ready for it. And uh, I think it was a thing of, like, wanting to share my story, the things I went through as a uh, child of a celebrity, but also sharing the things that I had to go through. And I think when I started writing a book, it meant one thing, and by the time I finished it was something else. It was about how could I help somebody with my story who's struggling with some things that they're going through and don't see any light. How could I help them out if possible? And uh, with uh, with your book, now you, uh, you, know, you go into obviously detail about you know, life with your father and, uh, you know, your grandparents and whatnot. And, you know, we we did mention if there's anything that we ask that you don't want to talk about, we'll understand that we'll just move on. But uh, one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is uh, your grandmother uh, had a very interesting uh, career uh, for what she did for a living. Um, can you put a little spot yeah, on my, well, my Well, my, my dad's. My dad's uh, mother was a uh, prostitute, and my great-grandmother, my dad's grandmother, my great-grandmother Marie, she was a, a madam. She ran the brothels, and I had an uncle who was a pimp, and my grandfather was a pimp. And yeah. uh, <laughs> did you uh, – so uh, I'm going to ask one more question, and we'll kind of go around the room here. So 
okay. you know, when you were when you were a kid staying at your grandmother's house or wherever, one were you able ever did you ever go in the brothel and did you ever wonder why uh yeah. a lot of your grandmother's friends weren't clothed all the time? Actually, no, because everything I saw, nothing was ever hidden from me. So I would actually, you know, when I was younger, you know, sitting sitting around with the girls and everything, playing cards, and they were like, you know, hold the hand, I got to go turn a trick, you know. So, so in my head, it was a normal thing. So me seeing uh, prostitutes and pimps and bootleggers and all those things, I thought that was a normal way of life. That that is pretty cool. Uh, Richard Pryor Jr. is our guest here. We got about twenty one minutes here. Uh, we'll go we'll go to Granny Holster next. What do you got, Granny, for our guest, Richard Pryor Jr. Well, first of all, hello. I am Granny Holster, and uh, hey, Granny Holster. You know, for, for, first of all, thank you for your service. I mean, being in thank the you. military, you know, um, <clears throat> I always like to thank our veterans. You know, just out of respect. Yeah, I was I was reading some information, you know, um about, you know, your book and I just found it very interesting. Um can you share with us um gosh, there's I was trying to think of a really good question to ask and I just kind of drew a blank. Um yeah, okay, you you were a musician at, at, or at some point in time, weren't you? Didn't you play music or something? I mean, in your well, earlier no, career? I, I, or... In my earlier, when I was a, much younger, when I was like a kid, I played the piano or tried to. I thought, you know, I played Mary Had a Little Lamb, and I thought I was a professional, so that was about it. And then I played the trombone, but it made my lips itch. So that was as far as my musical career went, but I'm also I consider myself a still a musician because I sing. Well, that that's awesome. I mean, tell tell us about their tell tell us about your singing career. Well, my singing career uh, I'm uh, I've, I was you know born and raised singing in a church. I you know I sing in gospel choirs and everything coming up, and then I uh, when I moved to New York City in 2006, right after my father's <laughs> death. That's when I took the uh, singing seriously and being able to perform and things of that nature. So I do cabaret. I'm a uh, Mac-nominated cabaret performer here in New York City. Um, I do shows all over the place, and, you know, I, I just love it. Performing is a, is a way to – is an outlet uh, because I'm basically an introvert so, except when I'm performing. So when I'm on stage or in front of a camera or anything like that, um, I'm able to come out of my shell. So that's what singing gave to me. It gave me an opportunity to come out of my shell and just to explore myself and my voice and not be inhibited by anything around me during those times where I was performing. Well, that, that's amazing. And, you know, and your dad was, I mean, he was a great actor. I mean, I've, I have seen several movies, you know, with your dad and, it, that I, you know, watching, uh, you know, you, for years and years and years, I mean, so, but that's what I've got. Richard Parr Jr. is our guest here. Uh, we have uh, J.G., uh, Jordan Garvey here. What do you got for our guest, Richard Parr Jr.? We've got 38 minutes. Yeah, absolutely, sir. I'm just finishing up my uh, pudding here. But Richard Pryor Jr., honor to uh, talk to you, sir. Uh, how's it going? All right, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've been a really big fan. Uh, I've really enjoyed your work. Um, 
what are some of your biggest influences, you know, growing up? And what's some one thing about, you know, the, and, uh, not just the film industry and entertainment industry altogether, but just everything in general that you could take away and give advice to others on? Well, I, um, well, it depends if I'm talking about, you know, people in uh, survival mode or people wanting to perform. If you know, uh, you're wanting, if people, if people are wanting to perform and things like that, I tell people never to give up, never listen to anyone, um, as far as to tell you that you can't do something. And if you're in something, uh, if you're in it, going in it for the money, and not for the love of it, then you're not going to make it, uh, because you have to have a passion for it in order to do it. You know, it'd be great to make the millions, but if you're doing what you love as far as acting and performing or singing or whatever you're doing, if you're doing it because you love it, it's going to be worthwhile because you'll set yourself up for disappointment if you're doing it just for the money because the money's out there. There's very few people that make it in that aspect as far as making the millions. As far as personal lives, as far as people in their personal lives, um, the things that you go through and the struggles you go through in life, the downfalls, the pitfalls, and all those things that you go through, the peaks and the valleys, those things you're able to come out of. Um, a lot of times we don't hear people telling their truth and telling what they've gone through in life. And to be able to share with people and tell people what I've gone through in life, maybe they can look down and see, maybe it's not so dark after all. Maybe I can come out of this and I can change this situation. I can change this problem. I can rise above it. And I don't have to let that problem or situation dictate to me who I am as a person, that I can be a better person and be uh, uh, productive and be creative and all those things I've always wanted and dreamt of when I was younger, I can actually do those things and achieve those things. That's awesome. Richard Partu is our guest here. We've got about 36 minutes left. Uh, Richard, we have a, a special guest caller on here with us, and uh, we're going to let her ask you a question, too. Uh, she's kind of uh, new to the business, and we're kind of – uh, grooming her into this interview thing. Uh, Sasha, what do you got for our guest, Richard Pryor, Jr.? Well, hi, Richard. It's an honor to talk to you. <laughs> hi, um, how are you? I'm good. Um, I guess my question for you would be, did you, I mean, did you ever feel any pressure to be as successful as your dad? Yeah, I, I think when I was younger, I went uh-huh. through that period of my life where I thought that's what I had to do, and I had to right. be that person, and I had to live up to my father's name and all those things. I think when I when I uh, got older in life and learned about who I was as a person and was comfortable in my own skin, <clears throat> that I was able to say that, no, I don't have to live up that. I had to be the best person I know how to be for myself. And that's the only right. way you can be because – Otherwise, you're pretending to be something that you're not. And so I had to learn uh, to be the person I'm supposed to be because I love myself and I knew myself. Aw, good. That's a good question. That's That's good question. Uh, Richard Breyer, Jr. is our guest here. We've got 34 minutes here, give or take a few. Uh, let's see if uh, Big Swing has got a question, then I'm going to come back to you. I want to ask you some uh, burning questions I have about the book. Because once I started reading, I couldn't put it down. So, uh, Big Swing, what do you got? Well, obviously, I, I'm a big fan of um, you know stand-up comedy and things like that. And I, obviously, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of his father's work, um, as well as you know the movies and things. But 
as I was going on listening, you know, you guys, um, you grabbed a lot of the questions I was going to ask, but one thing you said, um, Richard, that was, uh, you know, interesting to me was that you, you, you know, you're an introvert normally, unless you are performing, um, or you're on stage or in the camera, uh, was that something as well with your, with your father? Like, I, I mean, I know a lot of people saw him obviously on stage and behind the camera, but was he sort of quiet and, and reserved or was he always that boisterous personality that, that we saw, you know, up on stage? My father was, my father was totally an introvert. Uh, he was, you know, okay. He's kind of shy, a little bashful and all those things. And unless he was in the public eye, when you're in a position where, you know, the cameras are on and people around and even like when, you know, uh, you know, a lot of fans are around and things like that, you have to be on all the time. And his time of when he was off, he was a quiet guy, very soft-spoken and all those things. So, yes, he was definitely an introvert. And I guess the other one would be what were some of the things that you had learned uh, from him? Some of the things that he taught you, you know, growing up and coming up in, in the business that – you know, you use today that have, have, you know, led to some success or helped with some success? Like, what were some things you picked up along the way watching him and listening to him? Uh, one thing, uh, being prepared, knowing what you're doing, and then respect everyone that's around you. I think that was really a big thing. You hear so many horror stories of, you know, performers and actors and things and how they are with people and crew and different things of that nature. My father always taught me to treat everybody with respect. Um, so, uh, you know, I can have a dinner with someone who doesn't have a home, or I could have a dinner with royalty, and it would be the exact same thing with me. That's awesome. Nice, uh, yeah. We have, uh, we have Richard Pryor Jr. here. we got about uh, 30 minutes here with you, Richard. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the book, and then we'll see if it uh, sparks some other questions from our guests. But, one thing uh, I do want to ask before I ask you a question about the book. Uh, my favorite movie of all time of your dad's was Brewster's Millions. And mm -hmm. uh, my favorite comedy bit of your dad's was with him and Chevy Chase <clears throat> from Saturday Night Live, the Word Association. Right. You know which one I'm talking about? Right. Right. No. I sure do. I was, yeah, I was kind of, you know, interested. A couple of things I want to uh, ask about the book. Now, they tried to blame you for your dad's death can you explain that a little bit why well it was a it was it was a situation where it was something that was i did a film in 2009 where i played a female impersonator and someone went to my social media pages and took the pictures and wrote that i was a transvestite living as a transvestite and they posted it on social media and so then I was proceeded to be called names and was told, no wonder why my father died, um, because of the lifestyle I was living and how I was living trying to be a female. And um, I think that those, that was the <laughs> – that was a horrible thing to have to go through, to hear people complaining you for your father's death. Blame you for anybody's death, uh, you know, let alone your father. But uh, that was the um, – um, you know, that was a very difficult thing to have to go through and have to hear people uh, ridicule you and talk about you when they really don't know the truth. And they're just going off something that with what a media site said and going with the story instead of trying to find out actually what it is. 
Now, did uh, you, did you talk to your father about that, or did he call you, or? No, I couldn't have. He was already dead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. And that, now, so they, they blamed you for his also, death, so he was already gone. They, they also banned you from his funeral, did they not? No, I was actually at his funeral. Uh, he, he would call it a funeral. It was a memorial service. We called it the Jennifer Lee uh, Memorial Service because it was all about his wife uh, versus him. Uh, no, we were at the, all of the kids were at his uh, at his uh, memorial service. And uh, you know, you've done uh, quite a, a bit of uh, cool different uh, acting uh, bits yourself. Now, uh, I believe that uh, you were in a movie with Prince. Um, talk about that. I was never in a movie with Prince. The Color Purple? I was in The Color Purple. That had nothing to do with Prince. <laughs> the Color Purple was a movie directed by Steven Spielberg. It was Whoopi Goldberg's first movie with Oprah Winfrey, Whoopi Goldberg, Margaret Avery. All those people was about a film about the South. It was called The Color Purple, um, written by oh, Alice I, Walker. Okay, I, I guess uh, I got that mixed up with... Uh, well, there, Prince did have a movie called The Color Purple too. So I guess I just no, he, no, he, no, he had a movie called Purple Rain. Oh, purple. Oh, okay. All right. All right. She tried to kill me. Yeah, she was. She was fierce at me and tried to kill me. She was. Yeah, and she tried to first cut me up with a knife, and then she tried to run me over with her vehicle. Yeah, it was a. It was an interesting moment during that time. It wasn't funny during the time, but now I laugh about it. Actually, both laugh about it. But yeah, she was chasing me with a knife, and it was actually yeah. during church service. We were in church, and I was running through the back of the church, running. She's trying to kill me, screaming. She's trying to kill me. She's trying to kill me. Yeah. And now, uh, now did she? Uh, she did end up getting some jail time for that. I would hope. No, not at all. Well, no. that's 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 sad. Uh, uh, <laughs> JG, what do you got? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I have a fan sent question here from Sully hitting in on the live broadcast stream of this uh, show. Uh, well, obviously my own. That's what I do. Um, he asked. Uh, was it easy for you to find your own voice when it came to comedy? Having such big few, uh, shoes to fill must have been daunting, Kelly asks. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Mr. Priority? Well, I, you know, I, when I was younger, in my 20s, I tried doing stand-up. I was doing stand-up comedy. And I found it extremely difficult because if I came up with my own material, I wasn't funny. 
if I told stories like in my book, the things I went through, they said I was trying to mock my father. So there was a no-win situation with me doing stand-up comedy. So my stand-up comedy career was very brief as as far as stand-up goes. Now, I do do comedy on stage and when I tell stories and in my shows and things like that. But me just standing up telling jokes, I was like, I can't do it because I just couldn't live up with, to that. There's no way possible to uh, be a junior and to live up to what your father did in that aspect. Thank you, sir, for answering my question. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever, did you ever get to do any performances with your father at all, or uh, he no, the, I the never movies he did? No, I never got to perform with him. I, you know, I worked on some of his films and in production, but I never got to perform actually with him. So that was something you know you dread in life, but things happen for a reason, and I believe they happen for a reason. You know, it just wasn't meant to be during that that time period. You know, it wasn't meant to happen. And, you know, being, uh, you know, being your father was, you know, uh, a famous actor and, uh, you know, always, uh, on, on, you know, on location and what, uh, what have you, uh, when he would, uh, how, how often would you go without seeing him when he would film or, uh, did he like, uh, let you, uh, like come out and stay with him when he was doing films or was that not allowed yeah. at the time? Well, I, I, I performed, I would go with my father when he did stand up at times. And like during the summers, when I had break, uh, on holidays I would spend with him. And you know, if he was filming during those times, I was always on set. I used to introduce him on stage when he did stand up. Um, so it, he was always there. He was always a present thing. It wasn't that I always saw him. You know, I just saw him when it was. You know, when I was able to see him during those time periods. But I did spend quality time with him a lot. And you know. I was uh, the one sad thing that uh, I found uh, as I was reading your book that uh, you uh, you didn't really have a uh, a good relationship with your stepmother. Is that was is that actually? Oh my God! Yes. Oh no, you're on that. She didn't have a good relationship with any of us, really. It was all about manipulation. She's an evil lady. She's an evil now, lady. Um, no, she, that's all I can really around? say about her. Oh yeah, she's still around. Yeah, she's the. She considers herself, you know, the legacy of Richard Pryor. We don't exist, her. So you know, she's Richard Pryor's now. So we are just people with his names. Anytime you can go on social media and say that, you know, that his children were born out of laziness because he wouldn't put on a condom, then you, she's not a nice lady. Now, so you you guys obviously have nothing to do with her, but uh, now I don't know if you'd be willing to answer this because uh, she was, you know, your father's uh, second wife. Uh, no, did she? Well, no, she wasn't. She wasn't the second wife. She's been married to him twice. She wasn't the second wife. But okay, she, she was okay, the second. No, the second wife. The first wife was my mother. The second wife was Shelley. The third wife was Deborah. Then there was Jennifer, who's the one we're talking about. Then he married Flynn. Then he married Flynn again, and then he was with Jennifer again at the end. And with that being said, and because, you know, you're basically uh, considered an outcaster, which I which is really sad to me, and, you know, it, it really is really terrible that that's, that's the way it is, but 
did you did you end up? I don't know if you want to answer this, but I'm going to put the question out. I, if you can answer it, or we can move on. But with, with that being said, did you get cut out of your father's estate because of that? Yeah, she had she 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 controls everything. She is Richard Pryor. If we ever received anything from him, it was nothing in magnitude of what she received and what we should have been entitled to according to his previous wills before she came on board. Yeah. Anytime you've had a will and you've had eight amendments to the will in the time span that she was in his life, there's, there's something's up. That's, that's really sad, man. I, 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 uh, uh, I, I'm saddened by that. Uh, I, and I yeah. hate to get emotional with you on the line, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but, but you know, it's it's life, and it teaches you to go on. You know what I mean, and to make things for yourself and not depend on anyone else. So, you know, it's all good. Now, you know, your book is also about healing, um, right? And uh, you know, trying to help people that you know have went through the stuff that uh, you go through. How how do you go about reaching out to somebody, or if someone wanted to reach out to you and ask for advice? What what do you do, and what should they do? Well, the thing about it, you know, you know, I have people all the time reach out to me on social media, or people that have read my book reach out to me and talk to me, and they share things um, with me that they haven't even talked about in their lives. Um, I actually have done a radio interview where the lady shared with me, an uh, interviewer shared with me that she went through similar things when she was younger than I went through, and she had never talked about it. And so me writing a book, it was able, she was able to uh, op- open her mouth and speak it and say the things that she went through. You know, it, you know, I think we need to be there for each other and talk to each other. I think we need to take the stigmatism off of things that we've gone through in life and stop making it like it's a taboo thing and talk about the things that we've gone through and how it affected our lives and how can we grow from it and learn from it and become a better person. How can we not allow that situation to dictate what we do and how we live today. And I think that's one of the most important things because otherwise you're not living. And uh, uh, you're, you're how old now? I'm 57. 57. And uh, mm-hmm. how long did you serve uh, in the military? And I do thank you for your service, by the, the way. I think I was in the military, I think it was 80 to 83 or 80, somewhere around there. It's been so long ago. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> but you'll always, you'll always remember Attitude Air Live, though, right? What? You'll always remember being on this show, right? Oh, yeah. I would, definitely. Especially with the food pause. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely remember. Uh, I, I just had to throw that out because my, my ego had to, <laughs> had to jump out there. Um <laughs> So, uh, Richard, uh, how long has the book uh, been out now? The book was uh, came out at the beginning of April of 2019, yes. So I think I've done probably close to 500 or so interviews since then. And now do you, uh, do you plan on uh, doing, like, uh, books on tape possibly or – yeah, we're actually uh, we're actually working now to do an audio. We're actually working on that now to do an audio for that. I'm also working on uh, turning my book into a one-man show, and we're also adapting it into a screenplay as well. 
Uh, do you think that would also include uh, like a, kind of like a movie of the week type deal? Uh, you know, like yeah. Uh, uh, now, yeah, if right. uh, I'm just... uh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to reference. Sorry about that. No, I was just saying. I just said that we're adapting it into a screenplay. Yeah, that's what we're working and, on. Uh, how? how uh, uh, do you have a? Have they told you a time frame of how far out that is? And are are you going to be starring no. in the screenplay? No, no, I, none of those details are are out yet, or or even uh, played yet. And uh, also, real quick here, we got uh, Richard Pryor Jr. here. We got about uh, seventeen minutes here left, uh, give or take a few. Uh, I was supposed to say hi to you from a special friend of mine that you might know. Okay. Scott Schwartz. Oh, Scott. Scott, my man. He's cool. Scott's cool. I got to see him actually in Los Angeles not so long ago, a few months ago. Uh, Now, uh, of course, he was in in the movie The Toy with your dad. Yeah. Um, Now, I got to ask you – what was your favorite movie uh, of your father's of all time? Or if you could, uh, if you didn't have a favorite one, could you do like a, a ranking of like your top three or top five? His favorite film that he did was for me was a movie called Which Way Is Up, um, where he played three characters in the film. That was my favorite film. Um, I think is that after that I would say I would probably go with uh, Stir Crazy. Oh, I love time. that movie. And then probably as far as his performances, I would probably go in a movie called Lady Sings the Blues about Billy Holiday. Now, uh, your uh, your father uh, uh, had, uh, died of uh, MS, correct? Yeah, yeah, with a heart attack associated with MS, yes. And when did uh, you uh, first find out about that he got MS and uh, – when did you find out about uh, the the passing? Um, where where were you? What what were the circumstances when you found out about it? Well, he, he was oh, diagnosed oh, oh. with MS, and I believe in 1985, I believe, and he died in 2000 uh, 2005. And I was called. My best friend called me because he was contacted by uh, one of my stepmothers, uh, and she told him, and then he told me. Yeah, and I was living in Iowa during that time. And also your uh, your your book, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, you you took, uh, you know, you you started writing it, then you put it down, and you started writing it, then you put it down. And uh, what was uh, your your main uh, goal? What is your main goal with the book uh, now as it stands, and where do you want it to go in the future? Well, uh, just what I spoke of earlier, you know, it, it can help somebody and show some people on that they're not by themselves as far as things they've gone through in life. That's what I want it to be about. I want it to be about uh, enriching people, helping people, showing people that, you know, because you're in darkness, you've gone through some things, you don't have to stay in those situations. That's my main goal with it. And just to wherever, the, wherever it takes me, that's what I'm going to do. That's awesome. Uh, we got uh... – Richard Pryor Jr. here. We got uh, well, we got about uh, ten minutes here left. Uh, uh, let's kind of go around the room again. Uh, Granny, uh, what do you got? Granny, Granny may have fell asleep. I don't know. Uh, yeah. 
big swing. JG, what do you got? Um, I guess I don't know. If there's one thing that you could go back in the past and redo, what would it, what would it be and why? Um. Ooh, that's a good one. I think it would actually be prior to my that my father's death, being able to see him and talk to him again. You know, and really, really talk to him again, and tell him the things that are going on now, what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, uh, well, so a lot of the things he predicted. Things. You know, a lot of his comedy was about incidences like what's going on now that ha- were happening back then, and. Guys like him and guys like George Carlin and guys like that predicted a lot of this stuff happening in the future. It was like, oh, you're crazy. Times are only going to get better, and look where we're at. Oh, yeah. Yep. By the way, Icon Granny is back on. Okay. Uh, Granny, uh, what do you have for Richard Pryor Jr.? I'm sure you got a few more questions. Well, everybody's pretty much – I've just really enjoyed listening to him share everything about his life, his book. I mean, um, I've I've just been really enjoyed listening, so I really don't have anything else. But thank you, Granny. Well, you know, Richard, I, I'm I'm kind of curious about this. You know, it's like, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll I'll like turn on the TV and I'll I'll like listen. I'll see like uh, uh, different shows about your dad, like Richard Pryor had happened here or. Uh, mm-hmm. the last hours of Richard Pryor, uh, the life and times of Richard Pryor. Right. Now, uh, how often are you involved with those? Are you or are you We're not, not involved? In here? I've only I've done I've only done I did one film. I did the Mythologic, which was a documentary. I did that. That's because his wife was speaking to me at the time. And then I did a thing that was on Reels channel, the Reels channel. I did a thing when I was in uh, Canada. Um, that I talked about my father, but anything else associated with our father, none of us are uh, part of it at all. And when you when you see those, uh, do I don't you, watch uh, them. I don't, watch, don't them. watch them. No. Okay. Uh, because it's not it's not the truth. It's telling her truth. It's not the truth. It's telling her truth. Well, uh, well, and with that being said, do you guys have any recourse at all that you can do to say no? Hey, why don't you talk to us? We know what the truth is. No, because first, one thing, she wouldn't listen to it uh, because she's a narcissist, so she wouldn't listen to it. Um, Second, we don't have any rights. She has rights to his name and likeness, so she doesn't need us for anything. She can do as she pleases. I mean, we can call the hoopla and talk about it, uh, you know, if the press will pick it up and uh, listen to us, but that's about the only recourse we actually have. So have you ever thought of, uh, or, 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 you know, uh, this may be a hash of uh, what you just said, but have have you ever wanted to do a special just you talking about your dad? Yeah, but, you know, you, you, you're still dealing with the same situation. If you don't have a right to a name and likeness, and if she found out about it, you know, you're dealing with lawsuits. You know, so it's a situation with her is a no-win situation. You have to find your own path to do your own thing. So has there been any backlash from her that you know of about the book that you wrote? Or do you not None care? that I've heard of yet. None that, I've, none that I've heard of yet. I don't know if she cares or not, but I'm sure she's well aware of it. 
you know. So now, uh, all I can do is keep now, moving forward. Since since it, since it's your uh, since it's your book, now she can't come back and say, uh, "Hey, uh, I have no. the rights to Richard Pryor," so he can't. He can't even write about it. He can't even talk about it. I'm going to well, the right to you know, I, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I really don't know. But I know I can. I have a right to tell my truth and my story. It's my story from what I've gone through in my perspective. So I don't know how in the world she could actually change that. Um, I don't know if it's possible, and I hope it's not possible. But as long as I still have be able to speak and talk about it, I'm going to continue doing it. Well, here's here's the thing, Richard. We're we're all here for you. Uh, you know, Thank you. I, I don't know what what we could ever do uh, in court or anything, but if you need someone to give you a character witness, the icon will be right there for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, uh, I'm kind of curious here. We got uh, Richard Pryor Jr. here. We got nine minutes left. Uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions about your military, if I could. Your career, if I could. If you if okay. you want to, if you can, okay. Uh, what branch of service were you in? I was in the Navy, and I was a dispersing clerk. I was a um, petty officer third class. I worked in a bank. I did payroll. So you didn't see any heavy combat or anything? We were an off the – well, we were, you know, out in the waters, but during the during the Lebanon War, Beirut, and all that, those things, I was during the time period I was in. Wow, that's a, that's interesting. Now, uh, now, and you uh, you obviously got honorable discharge, and uh, you uh, and you said you were in for three years, correct? Yeah, I don't know if my discharge is honorable or not. I think it was administrative because it was during the don't ask, don't tell period. So I was pretty much asked to leave because of my lifestyle. Now, uh, could you uh, would you be willing to elaborate that a little on that? Well, Your life it's on the book, but it's my lifestyle. I was living as a gay man during that time. So, you know, there was a thing where don't ask, don't tell. They asked. I didn't tell, but, you know, they still found cause to uh, release me. Yeah, and, and I and I do understand. I did read that in the book. It's just that I wanted mm-hmm. you to tell it instead of me. Yeah, I understand. Know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So – your your book came out in April, and uh, you mm-hmm. you have all the these projects that you're going to do with the book uh, in the screenplay. Uh, any um, any chance that uh, you might uh, do another book if this one is really there is a strong possibility that I've actually been thinking about that. There is a very strong possibility because there are a lot of stuff I didn't talk about. Um, but uh, there's a very strong possibility of it. I just have to see how this goes. Well, the thing is, what we'd like to do is if you do decide to write another book, uh, and I know that uh, uh, I I may have upset you a little bit with all the text messages and all the countdowns, but uh, uh, we would <laughs> like uh, you to come on again if you do decide to write another book or when the screenplay comes out. Sure. We, we'd love to have you talk about that again. You know? Of course, of course, no problem, of course. And uh, you know this is this is kind of an emotional thing for me to say, but you know your father, like I like I talked to you on the phone before, your father was one of my comedic heroes and always will be, and I and I Thank miss you. him. And thank uh, you so much. 
you know, and uh, I I appreciate you for carrying on uh, his his name and his legacy. And uh, same with Scott Schwartz when we had him on. Uh, you know, he told us all about the goofy stuff that went on the yeah. side of the toy with him and Jackie Gleason. And by the way, speaking of that, did you ever get to meet the hustler? No. You didn't no, get to meet Jackie Gleason. Okay. No. All right. Uh, well, of all the uh, of all the of all the uh, actors that your father worked with over the years, who was uh, who was your favorite to meet, or who was the goofiest that you met? Oh, goofiest I met probably Red Fox. Uh, the best person I met, as far as the person I really uh, enjoyed, Dozier Williams, but probably Stephanie Tyson because she was an Academy Award winner. I think that was it was. Uh, you know that was my thing of you know my moment there. Uh, how about uh, John Candy? Did you meet him? No, I didn't meet John Candy. No. Yeah, like like I say, Brewster's Millions is my my all time favorite movie of your dad. You know, because he uh, uh, for those of you who are listening that don't know, uh, he inherited uh, um, to get his inheritance, he had to spend thirty million dollars in thirty days to uh, get $300 million in his real inheritance. And uh, he was a baseball player for the Hackensack Bulls. Right. And uh, yeah. in the movie, he got to play the New York Yankees. Did you get to be on the set at all for that movie? No, I wasn't there during that time. Oh, that's – I mean, that would have been such a blast to be in Yankee Stadium watching your dad as a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> So we got uh, Richard Pryor Jr. as uh, as our guest here. Uh, we got a couple minutes left, and then we got to wrap it up. But uh, if our fans wanted to uh, check you out, uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. Uh, that's the first question. Can, that, uh, how can our fans get your book? I can be checked out in a dot com. You can check out there for the book information. You can check Amazon or BearManorMedia dot com. You can also check out the Richard Pryor Jr. fan page, or you can check me out as Richard Pryor Jr. on Twitter and on Instagram. So you're not you're not into the Facebook brand yet, then? No, Facebook. I have the Richard Pryor Jr. fan page, which is Facebook, and uh, actually my personal page is Richard Pryor Jr. as well. Yeah. Okay. And I just uh, forgot to say Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's okay. And then uh, I don't know if you're willing to do this now, but I, I do have a couple ego questions I got. I usually wrap up the interview with uh, just because I can't help myself. Uh, okay. Uh, I had uh, made you a cool collector's card. What did you think of that? You did what? I made you a collector's card. I I, I texted it to you. The one oh, with uh, was you and cool. your dad. That was cool. That was cool. That was cool. The card was cool. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> All right, and then I don't know if you're able to do it, but uh, would you uh, be one? We got a big uh, December giveaway show that we do at the end of every year. Would you be one to send us one or two autographs for giveaways that we could uh, give away to our fans? If you could, sure. If you could just send me the yeah, if you just send me the information, I'll be glad to provide you with some pictures, autographs, pictures. Awesome. Well, uh, before we wrap this up, is there anything else that uh, you want to? Uh, our listeners know before we uh, let you uh, get some sleep because I know it's almost uh, one o'clock where you're at. So, uh, uh, no, just is there anything you, else you want to let us know about? Guys. Just thank you guys for um, having me on. Uh, I, I just 
anybody who's going through some situations, going through some trouble, some things like that, or know somebody who's going through some addiction or anything like that, maybe pick up my book in a prior life. Um, I think it would be helpful. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we do want to have you on again. And you have been the most inspirational that I've ever spoke with. And uh, I appreciate you sharing your story with the world and uh, telling everybody uh, how great of an individual you are because you are super. I'm not just saying that because it's you. You are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Thank you, Richard. Richard Barr, Jr., ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, I know we got about a minute before we wrap up the show. I just want to let everybody know what we got coming up next week. Uh, we got uh, Tony DiNucci. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, the icon and Jordan Garber's guest appearance at uh, Red Hawk Chaos. Uh, we have Susan Lane, or Susie Lane, and we have V Train. Oh, yeah. With us next week. So it's going to be a barn burner. And, uh, hey, this show keeps getting bigger and bigger, and uh, we want you all to keep listening because the icon is going to keep giving them blockbuster guests that you want to talk to and you want to hear about because we're here and we ain't going anywhere. Make headlines each and every week. There you go. All right. We good. So we will see you guys next week, and we will talk a little bit about uh... – you know, well, again, we didn't really get to it today, but uh, that's cool because we had three awesome guests. So, again, talk to you guys next week, Monday night, the number one show on the Internet. Sorry, Jordan. We'll talk to you next week. Dead man walking. You got it.